It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. And if you're looking for a place to make your online wagers, head over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code PODCAST1. You get a 50% sign-up bonus today. Betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. He is Joe Dolan, the number one ranked fantasy analyst over the last five years across the globe, according to fantasypros.com. You can check him out on Twitter at FG underscore Dolan. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL, Twitter and Instagram. All of the RT Media podcasts can be found at RossTucker.com, as well as our sponsor tab with some awesome holiday gifts, as well as... You can follow our official Twitter handle at RTF Podcast for all of the different podcasts that we put out. Joe, so a lot of people are in championship games this weekend. We also have a lot of DFS to get to. Are you in the championship game for the Listener League? Uh, no, I am not. Uh, Ross, I lost in the semifinals. I had a I had a great year, the 16-team Fantasy Feast Listener League. I, I went 10-3 and during the regular season, had the second seed. Unfortunately, I got stuck uh, in, their, uh, in the harder of the two semifinals. I had the second highest score of the week and, and lost in the semifinals. But um, it was a it was a tough a tough fought and obviously a very sharp league. Really, really hard to put together a good team in a sixteen team league. And the guys who were in the finals, uh, matter of fact, let me look up the teams who were in there. They should be really proud of themselves because it's super hard to build a good team in a sixteen team league. That's the Palouse Posse and P Money and the Dogs are going to the finals. So congratulations to those two teams. And and Ross, I also wanted to to thank everybody out there. And, and just congratulate everybody out there who's been acknowledging this podcast and and you and myself when they're when they're talking about their teams that advance to the finals. I really appreciate that, and that makes me happy. Um, it makes me happy to see that people are advancing. It, it gives me a thrill, and it really kind of humbles me that people think that I had something to do with this. And and if you, and if you think so. I encourage you to keep listening along and keep following along, but also acknowledge Ross that. A, a, even if if I'm talking here, you and I are babbling, you've got to make the decisions on your team. You've got to make those calls, and you made the right calls. That's why you know we try just try to push you in a direction. You can take it. You can leave it. If you think this podcast helped and, and you're through to the finals or maybe you even suffered a, a tough beat in week 15, I just really want to thank everybody for listening. I, I had some big shoes to fill this year. And I'm uh, I'm really excited to to keep this thing moving into the future. So I want to thank Ross, you for the opportunity, and everybody who's listened this year. Wow, awesome! Uh, well, thank you, Joe. You've been fantastic. All of that was very well said. I gave up on the listener league a long time ago <laughs> when my two quarterbacks were Big Ben and Darnold, and then my tight ends were Jordan Reed. And some other stud that got hurt early and never played. And I was like, F this. I hate everybody. I have no shot in this league. 
And so I gave up uh, maybe week five, week six, something like that. Um, I threw in the towel. Let that be a good lesson for all the kids out there. If things aren't going well, just quit. Just cave in. Just, just <laughs> wonderful <laughs> lesson for the people, Ross. Just hey, so let's talk wonderful. like this. Are there um, any championship hints? Any DFS tips? Obviously, there's the three game Saturday slate. Does that change things at all? It doesn't really change things for me other than the fact that uh, you can play the Saturday slate, which I am definitely going to be doing because I'm a degenerate. Uh, and uh, maybe I'll throw out a couple of deeper guys here on the Saturday slate if you're looking to uh, if you're looking to play that Saturday slate. But I mean, one thing, Ross, that you have to note, though, is keep in mind that there are three Saturday games. You can't wait until Sunday morning to set your lineups for these six teams that we're about to talk about because – I mean, I, I know that sounds simple, but it's definitely happened in the past where these Saturday day games around the holiday creep up on you and you don't realize they're happening. So note that the first three games we're talking about on, on today's podcast are all on Saturday. That's Saturday, the uh, the 21st of December. And it starts with the Texans at the Bucks, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Bucks wide receivers are dropping like flies, Joe. They are. Uh, uh, obviously, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, for all intents and purposes at this point, are going to be out for the remainder of the fantasy season. Uh, and when I say that, I'm presuming that most players finish in Week 16. I do know that there are some who play in Week 17, and we'll talk next week as well. Uh, but uh, not only are, are Mike Evans and Chris Godwin out, they just put Scotty Miller, the rookie from Bowling Green, on IR with a hamstring injury. So that leaves them to a top two of Brashad Perriman and an interesting fellow, Ross. This has become an Ivy League football podcast. Justin Watson from the University of Pennsylvania, a tall, lanky receiver who ran just over a 4-4 at his pro day. So he's got some speed as well. So we know about Brashad Perriman. If you picked him up last week, he scored three touchdowns. I managed to avoid that bullet in a, in a semifinal and advance past that, but it was a tough one to climb. You are playing Brashad Perriman in this matchup, but Justin Watson, maybe, maybe he's a little too deep for you to consider in your season-long final, but he is certainly going to be heavily employed on the Saturday DFS slate. Um, he's he's from the University of Pennsylvania. I think he was the Ivy League player of the year there at one point, or at least the receiver of the year. He has got some speed, and Jameis Winston is one of those guys. It just doesn't matter who's out there. He's going to throw the ball. He was the first player in NFL history to throw for 450 yards in back-to-back -back games. He is still a league winner, and while he's going to take a hit in my rankings because not only does he not have uh, Evans – he doesn't have Godwin, but he's he's still going to be a guy. I don't think the Bucks are going to change what they do. I don't think all of a sudden they're going to become a grounded pound team with Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. They're going to throw the ball, and that means Brashad Perriman, Justin Watson, and O.J. Howard are going to be on the receiving end of it. All three of them are very viable on the DFS slates. In the case of Perriman, he's like a wide receiver two, borderline wide receiver one this week in season-long rankings. If you have him in your championship final, I have a hard time sitting him. And uh, I'll, I'll just tell you, I think uh, Justin Watson is the best Ivy League player I've ever seen. Really? And, oh, yeah. I mean, for four years, he started every game. And he was, he caught at least two passes every game. He was the runner-up 
for Ivy League Player of the Year three years in a row. And they have a ceremony where the two finalists go. Can you imagine going to New York for like the Ivy League Heisman three years in a row and every year you get second place? I mean, brutal. He should have won it once or twice. But unbelievably consistent, unbelievably dominant. I'm excited to see how he plays. What about uh, for the Texans on the other side, Joe? Well, um, the, it's amazing how Deshaun Watson's – we actually brought this up on last week's podcast. But Deshaun Watson averages over two yards more per attempt with Will Fuller in the lineup than he does without him. Watson's now up to 8.8 yards per attempt with Will Fuller. He's down at 6.4 without Will Fuller. That's basically elite YPA to subpar YPA, all with one player in and out of the lineup. Will Fuller was back last week, and although he had just a solid fantasy day, Kenny Stills was the guy who actually caught two touchdowns, you can see Deshaun Watson's his confidence goes up. All of that goes up with Will Fuller in the lineup. And, you know, the Buccaneers have been pretty damn good recently in the secondary. Uh, Todd Bowles is doing a great job down there. Uh, They've allowed just seven touchdown passes over the last five weeks. Quarterbacks are averaging just 6.2 yards per attempt to get against them. But this is the highest projected total game, not just of the Saturday slate, but of the entire week. So I expect Houston to come out firing. I expect Deshaun Watson to be looking for Will Fuller. I expect him to be looking for DeAndre Hopkins. I anticipate that the Texans are going to throw the ball and they're going to throw it well in this game and they're going to throw it frequently. So uh, Will Fuller, wide receiver two. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, he's a wide receiver one this week. And I think in DFS slates, you can consider Kenny Stills and Duke Johnson maybe to save a little bit of money. Carlos Hyde had the great game last week uh, against Tennessee, but this is a bad matchup by the numbers against Tampa Bay. They're giving up just 31.6 receiving yards per game, which is bad for Duke Johnson. However, they haven't allowed a running back to top 40 rushing yards in their last four games. They have been a tough defense on the ground all year. Not the best of matchups for Carlos Hyde. I'll be fading him in DFS. Joe, I will be in New England enjoying their gigantic cookies and the delicious clam chowder, probably freezing my butt off, but watching as two of my former teams, the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots, square off. Uh, 10-7, Patriots win on a defensive touchdown? Uh, That's entirely possible. We saw last week that the Steelers and the Bills – Ross, they had the lowest total I had seen all year, down at 35 and a half, 35. That game still went under the total, and now, uh, obviously, the markets have realized what's up with this Patriot offense, because I can't tell you the last time I saw a Patriots game lined at under 40 total points, and that's what we have here, 38 and a half. Buffalo's been a low-scoring team, defensive-focused all year. Obviously, a really tough matchup for them. However, if if I have John Brown in my season long, I don't know how I can sit him. In that awful matchup with Pittsburgh last week, he goes for 7 for 99 on 10 targets. 
I wouldn't be – I don't think it's too ridiculous to say I think he might be a top 15 receiver in the NFL just in terms of all-around ability. Maybe the numbers haven't been there consistently, but he is just a hard guy to sit in season long even though he's getting the bad matchup with Stephon Gilmore. He did put up 5 for 69 on 11 targets against him earlier in the year. Cole Beasley I think is the guy a lot of people are going to be focusing on for Buffalo. He had 7 for 75 on 13 targets earlier this season. He had a really bad game against the Steelers last week, a couple of uncharacteristic drops for him. I anticipate he'll bounce back. The problem is, and, and I have him in uh, in the draft best ball final, uh, Josh Allen, this is a really bad matchup. He was brutal. Played his worst game of the season earlier this year against the Patriots with three picks, no touchdown passes. Um, and the last two weeks, he's been really held in check by the Ravens and Steelers. So Josh Allen's going to be on the QB2 radar. But Brown and Beasley, I kind of like this week. At the very least, you have to play Brown. I kind of like Beasley. And keep in mind, the Patriots gave up a massive game last week to Joe Mixon, who had 156 scrimmage yards. I actually really like Devin Singletary this week. I think the Bills have to use him, and he looks like a pretty special back to me. He he just doesn't seem to go down on first contact. What about for the Patriots? Uh, Sony Michelle. See, here's the thing about Sony Michelle. He had a good game last week and still barely topped. 10 fantasy points in a PPR. He caught one pass. I think he had 93 yards from scrimmage. He is just a guy I'm not considering against Buffalo. He had 17 for 63 against them earlier this season. The only two Patriots I'm considering, and this includes Tom Brady. I'm not considering Tom Brady in my fantasy final. He's down in the 20s for me this week. Are Julian Edelman and James White. And if you advance to the finals despite having Julian Edelman, congratulations to you. He had scored 13 fantasy points and seen nine-plus targets in nine straight games before his dud last week. Just five targets, just 62% of the snaps, playing through knee and shoulder issues. I think Julian Edelman, you have to play him if he's out there, but keep an eye on his play status. And James White is the other guy I'd consider. I can't believe I'm saying this in week 16 of an NFL season, but there are only two Fantasy viable New England Patriots, and it's Julian Edelman and James White. The nightcap on Saturday is the Rams at the Niners. Why don't you start with L.A.? Yeah, really bad showing by L.A. last week. You know, we were just getting ready to say, you know what, they're back. Sean McVay's figured something out, and they they could not do anything against Dallas. I mean, Todd Gurley gets two touchdowns, but they were both in garbage time. He had under uh, he had under forty yards from scrimmage. He does have twelve touchdowns in his last ten games, so for sure he's somebody that you got to consider playing or, or will be playing. Um, he missed the last matchup against the 49ers, so we didn't see what he did in that game. But he's somebody. He played ninety six percent of the snaps last week. He has got to be in your lineup. I expect he'll be pretty chalky for DFS as well. Well, uh, considering he is, uh, matter of fact, it's, it's not even close. He's the best, most reliable running back on the DFS slate for the Saturday slate. Uh, Robert Woods had a bad game last week, just four for 17 receiving. He did, however, see nine targets. He's up to now 56 targets over his last five games. So he's in your lineup. Cooper Cup, after the snaps were shockingly down uh, in week number 14 against Seattle, uh, Cup managed to play over 90% of the snaps against Dallas last week. So it looks like that Seattle um, that Seattle game plan was unique. I would be playing Cooper Cup. However, he has really been kind of flirting with disaster the last few weeks. Um, 
he has six or fewer targets in five of his last six games, and he really needed GTP the last couple of weeks to to come through late touchdowns. So be careful with him. The guy who I actually feel best about, I can't believe this, for the L.A. Rams is Tyler Higby. He's posted seven or more catches with 100 or more yards in three consecutive games. He is the number one wide, uh, tight end over that span. The Niners kept Austin Hooper in check. Um, Jared Cook, uh, Mark Andrews, and Jacob Hollister have all had big games recently against the 49ers. So I feel good about Tyler Higby, and I think Jared Goff on the road is in a tough spot here. However, it is worth noting the 49ers gave up a huge game to Julio Jones last week, and they are really hurting on defense. Richard Sherman is out. Quan Alexander. Um, Nick Bosa's been great, but they have a lot of defensive injuries. I do believe that the Rams have an opportunity to score some points, but as you just saw, some of these guys have some bad matchups as well. What about for the Niners after that loss to the Falcons? Both these teams coming off bad losses for different reasons. And I do have to give it some apologies here because I love the 49ers for DFS this week. Um, and it just did not happen. I lost too. You know, I put my money where my mouth is. And Jimmy Garoppolo, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel absolutely crushed me. And unfortunately, Debo Samuel is probably going to get the tougher matchup here with Jalen Ramsey. Now, maybe Ramsey moves inside with Emmanuel Sanders. But how about this? Even with the Cowboys scoring over 40 points last week, both Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper were held to just one catch against the Rams. So the Rams can defend on the back end. The guy I'm focused on here for the 49ers is Raheem Mostert because the Rams got destroyed on the ground last week. Zeke and Tony Pollard uh, combined for nearly 250 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. I think Raheem Mostert's going to be very popular on the Saturday DFS slate. He's going to be a top 15 option for me in my rankings this week. And obviously you're playing George Kittle each and every week. So the 49ers have kind of narrowed out. I'm down on Sanders and Samuel this week. Both are going to be on the wide receiver three tier. I think Jimmy G's a low end quarterback one, but Mostert and Kittle, I do really like this week. Let's move on to Sunday, 1 p.m., Bengals and Joe Mixon at the Dolphins. Remember, the Dolphins just let Saquon get back on track. Now they got Mixon coming. Joe Mixon's a legitimate league winner, and, and he's, been, he's been getting it done so uh, I mean, really, in spite of the team around him. Uh, over 700, 700 scrimmage yards over his last uh, six games. He had a huge game against the Patriots last week. You just roll Joe, with Joe Mixon, who's been a top five running back over his last six weeks. Um, I think Tyler Boyd is definitely worth considering this week against Miami, who really can't defend anybody. Um, and obviously, if you are dying, maybe you want to take a deep shot in DFS. John Ross against Miami. Obviously, no A.J. Green, no Auden Tate. I think John Ross is somebody you could consider taking a shot against Miami. Andy Dalton, maybe a lower-end DFS option after throwing four picks last week. Maybe you roll with them in a two-quarterback league. But that's pretty simple for the Bengals, who are entirely Joe Mixon's team right now. What about the Dolphins on the other side? Yeah, the disappointment for Patrick Laird last week. Uh, ran for under 50 yards, caught just two of five targets for nine yards, and he played under 50% of the snaps after seeing 82% the week before. So right now, Patrick Laird, ugh, he's just a low-end flex at this point. However, I do think Ryan Fitzpatrick with Devontae Parker 
is an interesting little DFS stack, and I also think you can consider Ryan Fitzpatrick as a streaming quarterback. He had a solid game last week. You can obviously see Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is the Dolphins' leading rusher on the year, by the way. Um, he's always somebody who's going to throw the ball aggressively, and when he has Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki, who has a solid 17% target share over the last seven weeks, he's going to throw it and give his receivers a chance to make a play. So I kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. You are definitely playing Devontae Parker. I don't really have any interest in this backfield unless you just need like seven points out of Laird just to give you some sort of floor. And I think you can consider Gesicki at tight end if you're really hurting. But mostly this is a good spot for Fitzpatrick and Devontae Parker. Then we've got the Steelers and the Jets. Steelers announced they're sticking with the duck at quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I see where he got his nickname after last Sunday night. He was not very good in that game. Um, I, I actually think James Washington and Deontay Johnson are a really good pair for the future, but they're both kind of wide receiver threes. Now, this is a really good matchup. I wouldn't mind playing either one of them as a wide receiver three, but you also have to keep in mind we are looking at uh, a week where Juju Smith-Schuster could be back. And if Juju's back, I'd probably say that hurts – I'd say that hurts Deontay Johnson more than it does James Washington. I think James Washington is going to be more their downfield receiver. I would consider all of them wide receiver threes, even if Juju is back. And if you don't want to play Juju this week, like, for instance, if you have Anthony Miller, I would play Anthony Miller over Juju without hesitation this week. So that's just where we are with Juju. Beyond those receivers who are all fringy fantasy options, the only guy you can consider for Pittsburgh at this point is James Conner, who I thought looked really good last week. And I know a lot of Steeler fans are asking, why didn't we give him more touches? He had eight carries. I think he had five targets. He scored the receiving touchdown. James Conner's an RB2 this week. I would love to say he's an RB1, but they just didn't use him a ton last week. They actually gave five different running backs snaps in that game. Uh, Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell, Kareth White, and Trey Edmonds all got snaps. The Steelers should commit to James Conner and not put so much on Duck Hodges' shoulders because we saw what happens when that happens. Uh, it is a recipe for disaster. James Conner is the only Steeler who needs to be in your lineup in week number 16. What about on the other side for the New York Jets? Well, the DFS angle of the week is it's going to be a Le'Veon Bell revenge game. Um, and Le'Veon Bell, I think, probably will want to stick it to the Steelers. He has not been a uh, very, very good fantasy option. Uh, his Actually, he is coming off his season high in rushing yards with 87. The problem is he didn't get in the end zone, and he only caught two passes for one yard. So it was not a great fantasy game for Le'Veon Bell. Uh, but the Steelers... They've been a really, really good run defense. They haven't allowed a running back rushing touchdown since week number five, and they've allowed only six total touchdowns to the position all season. It's not a great matchup for Le'Veon Bell, but he's getting enough targets or uh, enough touches that he should be in your lineup. I don't know if I'm going to be playing the revenge angle for DFS, though. It's just not a good matchup. When it comes to Sam Darnold, uh, he's thrown multiple touchdowns in four of his last five games. But he's turning the ball over quite a bit, and this is a bad matchup. I don't really like it for Darnold, nor do I like it for Robbie Anderson, who's going to see a lot of coverage from a Joe Hayden. The guy I would consider in the passing game is the guy who rebounded last week after disappearing for a number of weeks. That's Jamison Crowder out of the slot. So that would be my preferred jet. The, the two guys I'm really considering here are Bell and Jamison Crowder. Giants, Redskins, Saquon got going a little bit. We mentioned that. Meanwhile, I thought Haskins 
maybe his best game against the Eagles. Why don't you start with the G-men now? Well, let's definitely start with the G-men because uh, despite Haskins playing his best game, best game last week, the Redskins lost because they got eaten alive by Miles Sanders. Saquon's former Penn State teammate. If you Hey, if you managed to survive with Saquon, he is definitely in your lineup. He's a top five running back option this week, and I expect him to be very popular for, for DFS after seeing what his Penn State teammate did to this defense. So Saquon, I like him this week. I really like the Giants receivers, Slayton, Shepard, Tate. I mean, look, the Eagles have a bunch of scrubs at wide receiver, and, and Greg Ward Jr., the former college quarterback, gets nine targets and scores the game-winning touchdown. So I like those three guys. Now, I mean, it, it's hard to be completely uh, uh, make a complete analogy to the Eagles because the Eagles outside wide receivers are so useless that I don't know how they would have done if they had competent receivers out there against Josh Norman and the boys. Um, but I think Slayton Tate and Shepard are all wide receiver threes. Um, and we'll see about Evan Ingram. It seems like they've been saying he's up in the air for a number of weeks. I don't expect to see him, but Washington did give up big games to the Eagles tight ends last week, uh, Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. So there is a whole lot of exploitability here for Washington. Keep an eye on Ryan Kerrigan's status as well, because if Kerrigan does not play, that just makes things even easier, whether it's going to be Eli Manning or Daniel Jones at quarterback for the Giants. And on the other side for the Redskins? Well, it, it's Terry McLaurin who you play every week, and I honestly think this game is close enough that you can give Adrian Peterson a look. You know, watching that game against Philadelphia last week kind of got overshadowed in how crazy that game was at the end. I thought Peterson looked phenomenal. And I know the Eagles missed a couple of tackles, but, I, I mean, it, this guy is just a freak of nature. And because he's buried in Washington, nobody talks about him. But, I mean, he's still getting it done. He's their lead back. Darius Geis is on IR. I think Adrian Peterson is a solid flex option in a game that should be close for Washington. But it's really Peterson and McLaurin. I'm not going to give the Eagles missing tackles and blowing coverages against Dwayne Haskins. Doesn't all of a sudden mean Haskins is a, is a fantasy option for me. Panthers and the Colts, Joe. Uh, Panthers are making a quarterback change. Will Greer, does that mean anything? Well, it does because my question now becomes, why did it take so long? And you can say, maybe think Kyle Allen wasn't being helped. Maybe he wasn't as bad as the numbers say. Maybe the tape was better. But ultimately, you're a team that has been out of it really for the last month plus. Kyle Allen has been turning the ball over at a prodigious rate. Will Greer was a third-round draft pick, and he couldn't get on the field. My question is, barring complete and utter incompetence by their coaching staff to recognize, why wasn't he playing? So I'm now approaching this from a skeptical angle. He wasn't playing for a reason. They still thought Kyle Allen was their best chance to win. So I have to approach this and say, hmm, you know, I know Kyle Allen's been bad, but at the very least, DJ Moore was putting up numbers. Curtis Samuel would come through every now and again. They, the tight ends, whether it was Olsen or Thomas, every now and again, they were putting up numbers. Is that going to hurt these guys? Then on the flip side, I look at the fact that the Colts couldn't cover anybody against the Saints. Now, it's Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, okay? But Drew Brees threw one incompletion. One. And I think it probably should have been caught by Latavius Murray. I, I mean, it was ridiculous. The Colts have given up. They're out of it. You know, they're banged up. Kenny Moore... I know Pierre Desir has been banged up. So if I'm 
if I have somebody of these of this Panthers receiving core, I've really got to look at this and say, I have to play DJ more. I have to. His numbers have been so good, but I have him as more of a wide receiver two on the low end this week, and I think Curtis Samuel's more of a wide receiver four. To figure out the tight end situation, you have to wait for Greg Olson. I'd prefer to uh, uh, to avoid it otherwise, and you, of course you have to play Christian McCaffrey, but the question that I keep coming back to when it comes to the Carolina Panthers is why wasn't Will Greer already playing, and that's what makes me nervous. I can see that. On the other side, the Colts, well, I really thought Jacoby Brissett struggled last night. And in comparison to Drew Brees, it, I mean, those guys aren't even playing the same game. I mean, it, it's, it was tough for Brissett. And, you know, what he's working with now is a completely shorthanded roster. You know, the offensive line I don't think was very good. His receiving core is made up of a banged-up T.Y. Hilton and a bunch of scrubs. I don't know if T.Y. Hilton's even going to play in this game um, since they're now out of it for the playoffs. Um, the one guy who, well, you know, we were talking about Joe Mixon being a league winner. Marlon Mack is a league loser right now. Uh, he's been under 10 fantasy points in his last two games. He was at 1.9 on Monday night against the Saints. If you manage to survive that, well, you've got the matchup. Carolina has been hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging fantasy points to, to running backs, touchdowns to running backs. It happened last week again with Chris Carson scoring two. You have to play Marlon Mack. I expect he'll be popular for DFS this week. Um, but really, he is the only guy on the Colts, aside from maybe Zach Pascal, I feel good about. The fact that with a banged-up T.Y. Hilton um, and this complete scrub cast of wide receivers, Jack Doyle can only catch two passes for 21 yards, doesn't make me excited to play him. It's really Marlon Mack or Fade for me, maybe with Zach Pascal as a number three uh, wide receiver. Ravens at the Browns. Ravens need to win at least one more game to clinch home field, and the Browns smoked them earlier in the year. Browns kind of in disarray. What do you have on the Ravens, Joe? Same thing as always. Marquise Brown, a tougher matchup against Denzel Warden company, but you start him as a wide receiver three. You rode Lamar Jackson this far. You're playing Lamar Jackson. You rode Mark Ingram this far. Mark Ingram might be the reason you're in the championship. He had 86 yards from scrimmage and two touchdowns against the Jets last week. So he might be the reason you're in the championship. And how about Mark Andrews? Uh, we talked on last week's podcast, and I'm saying, go pick up Hayden Hurst. I, I mean, I don't think Andrews is going to play. Not only does he play, he comes out and he puts up four for 52 and a touchdown, and he's got the mini buy coming off the Thursday night game. So those four guys, you start them. Everybody else, forget about them. The Baltimore Ravens are going to be the number one seed in the AFC with a win this week, but they are still the most simple fantasy team to figure out each and every week. They're playing the Browns. And they are not the most simple team every no. week. What do you have on them? The one simple thing I can say is both of their running backs are top 24 options. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt have somehow arisen from this situation and have done brilliant things. Nick Chubb goes for 127 on the ground, 21 through the air, 148 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt has 14 rushing yards, but he catches eight passes last week against Arizona. Hunt, obviously, much more viable in PPR, but for, for good reason, um, they are, they've kind of focused the offense around them. And now we get to the wide receivers. I think Jarvis Landry was one of the single most disappointing players in week number 15. Going against that soft Cardinal slot coverage, he catches five passes for 23 yards. And I am sick of Odell Beckham Jr. 
I am sick of them. Uh, eight for 66 on 13 targets. Almost all of that came on like the Browns' final drive when they're just when they're just. I think they ran a a 19-play drive on their final drive to get a touchdown. I think Beckham caught like four or five passes on that drive. Uh, So, I mean, they were completely out of the game. Patrick Peterson shut them down for most of the game. He dropped a touchdown. Well, not a touchdown, but he dropped a deep ball. Baker Mayfield overthrew him on what would have been a touchdown. It was picked off by Peterson. I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I am benching Odell Beckham for Anthony Miller in one of my championship finals. This is a brutal matchup against Baltimore. I have fallen for it too many freaking times. Um, I, I, I just can't stand what, what's going on right now, and it is a terrible matchup. I am downgrading Odell Beckham to a low-end wide receiver three this week, and I think Jarvis Landry is a high-end wide receiver three. I'm playing both of the running backs as top 25 options, and everybody else, you can forget about them. Ain't no way I'm going near Baker in my fantasy championship. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, Hilarious, by the way, that came out when the thought process was Freddie Kitchens is safe. The reports came out, and then they go out and play like that, and Landry's yelling at them. Yeah. Just a complete what about, egg. I, oh, what, what about Jaguars Falcons? Well, I want to keep an eye on DJ Chark's status because apparently he's got a chance to go. I hope people listened to the podcast last week and picked up Chris Conley, who scored two touchdowns for Jacksonville. But it's bad for Jacksonville right now. The problem is Dede Westbrook. What the hell, man? Four four targets, just two catches against the Raiders. Uh, he's a wide receiver four. If DJ Chark plays, I have him as a wide receiver too. I would play uh, Chris Conley in his stead uh, if he doesn't go. You're not considering Minshew. So basically, it's just one of those wide receivers and Leonard Fournette. That's all you can consider from a dead-in-the-water Jacksonville team. What about on the other side with the Atlanta Falcons? You know, last week I thought... The Jaguars had given up, so I was riding Josh Jacobs, who, by the way, even on a bum shoulder, had over 100 yards from scrimmage. So as bad as Devontae Freeman has been, I think you put him in your lineups this week. Um, And then, obviously, you're playing Julio Jones. There's no two ways about that. I also think after what Darren Waller did last week, Austin Hooper could get off the schneid this week. Hooper uh, had just three for 20 last week against the 49ers. Had the game-winning touchdown uh, called back that Julio then then took from him. I think Austin Hooper, Julio Jones, and Devontae Freeman are all viable for the Falcons. Wouldn't mind taking a shot on Matt Ryan either this week. He's going to be on the lower end of DFS. But for the Falcons, none of those other receivers stepped up. If you are going to play one with no Calvin Ridley, it would be Russell Gage, who had six targets last week. But uh, not exactly somebody I'm fired up to play in my fantasy championship round. The last game we're going to talk about here in episode one, Joe, it's the New Orleans Saints against the Tennessee Titans. We'll start with the Saints. That was unbelievably impressive by Drew Brees on Monday night. And Michael Thomas is Thanos. He is inevitable. (laughs) And what I love about him, he doesn't really have an overwhelming physical characteristic. He's not that fast. He's a big guy, but he's not Calvin Johnson or Julio Jones. He's just good. And I think a lot of – I wonder what scouting departments around the NFL think about it, right? Because he was a second-round pick. Now, obviously, a second-round pick says, you know, this guy was really good in college and – but like you said, he went to the combine, you turn the tape on, you don't see that overwhelming, you know, explosiveness or, I mean, his hands are extremely good. We saw that last night, but you know, 
I wonder how many scouting departments missed on Thomas and are kind of looking for the next Michael Thomas and are just continually missing. And a guy who doesn't have an outstanding physical ability, and it just makes me think he's a unicorn. Uh, he's just a super good player who landed in the perfect situation. You're obviously playing Michael Thomas for fantasy. You want to talk league winner? I mean, Ross, I had him last night. I thought I had no chance to win in uh, in the uh, in the listener league. Michael Thomas was essentially one catch away from winning that matchup for me, and the only thing that stopped him was the fact that the Colts couldn't stop him because then the Saints were able to bench him and not throw the football anymore. That was the only thing that stopped him. I think he had nine catches and a touchdown at halftime, had three short ones coming out of half, and then didn't play the rest of the game. Uh, But you're obviously playing Thomas. Here's the frustrating part, though. Aside from Michael Thomas and Drew Brees against the Colts, Nobody really did anything for fantasy, and that's been kind of the sneaky secret for the Saints this year. They haven't been a dominant fantasy team aside from Thomas and aside from Breeze. Alvin Kamara still has only two touchdowns on the year, and they both came in the same game in week three. Last week, uh, well, Monday night against the Colts, he had 19 touches. I thought he looked okay, but he didn't get in the end zone. They're playing Latavius Murray a a bunch. They're playing Taysom Hill a bunch. Jared Cook, four for 54. So the only two guys on this team who you would have considered using who went uh, uh, above 15 fantasy points were Michael Thomas and Drew Brees. You know, Taysom Hill did it and, and, uh, well, and, you know, Traquan Smith scored, but you're not playing those guys. So it's really at this point, Kamara, Michael Thomas, Jared Cook and Breeze, and maybe Latavius Murray. That's about it. But I am starting Kamara. You just kind of have to. You obviously are starting Thomas. You're starting Drew Brees. And I think Jared Cook's a good, solid, mid-range tight end one. But otherwise, it's a fantasy team that's pretty well-defined. You don't even need to look at some of these secondary receivers. How about for the Tennessee Titans? Disappointing performance, I thought, for Tannehill, for Derrick Henry against the Texans. Well, to Derrick Henry was the big one. Uh, just 86 rushing yards. Now, 21 for 86. Not a bad day on the ground. But when he doesn't get in the end zone, and we know he doesn't catch passes, that's where he's going to hurt you. Derrick Henry needs to score. And we just saw we just saw the Saints shut down the Colts' run game. They shut down the Colts' everything. I don't know how much you can take away from that because they are banged up defensively. They have major problems at linebacker. Sheldon Rankins is hurt. Marcus Davenport is hurt. So their defensive line, their front seven, is really banged up. My guess is the Titans are going to do everything in their power to reestablish Derrick Henry this week. The question is, will it work? If you advance to your finals, you have to play Derrick Henry. DFS, hmm, not a slam dunk option. Here's the other bad news for the Titans. A.J. Brown, who has been a legitimate league winner, you might be in your championship games because of A.J. Brown. Eight for 114 last week with the touchdown. He's going to get the shadow coverage of Marshawn Lattimore, who's playing really, really well again. So I would think A.J. Brown, the Saints are going to do everything they can to get him out of there. And the question is, can the Titans get the production elsewhere? Is it going to be from Jonu Smith, who had 5 for 60 receiving? Interesting low-end DFS option, Jonu Smith. Interesting tournament DFS option, Corey Davis, 3 for 57 receiving last week, if you think A.J. Brown is going to get the shadow coverage. Ryan Tannehill, like you said, Ross, wasn't a great game for him you know, overall. However, his interception went off of Anthony Ferkser's hands. It should have been a touchdown. And he still ran for a touchdown and threw two more, so he put it, up, put it together for fantasy. 
I'm downgrading him because of the matchup that A.J. Brown has. But if Ryan Tannehill has been my slam dunk quarterback heading into the championship round, I don't know if I'm benching him. I'm still rolling with Tannehill, even though I don't love the matchup for the receivers around him. Excellent stuff, Joe. Love it. Episode one in the books. Episode two will be coming out shortly after midnight. It would be remiss of me if I did not tell you that the best gift you can get anyone for the holidays, if you haven't already, is a story from myfrontpagestory.com. Here's the deal. You talk to a writer for 10 minutes about your wife, your mom, your dad, whoever. They write an unbelievable story about them. Then they send it to you. It looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper with a beautiful picture. It's framed. And you give it to your wife or your mom or whoever. And when I'm just telling you, when they read the quotes from you about she's the reason I am who I am, I can't thank her enough for everything she does, I'm just telling you, they're going to cry. Best holiday gift ever. But you got to do it now because they need time to write the story. Myfrontpagestory.com. You also need to check out the College Draft Podcast today because it is bowl season. And Matt Waldman's breakdowns of some of these top bowl prospects will bowl you over. College Draft Podcast. Then, of course, it's a Tuesday, which means it's a Power Rankings Tuesday. Fourth consecutive week, we have a new team in the toilet bowl. Speaking of toilets, we have a new last-ranked team, 32nd-ranked team. Check that out, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Other than that, I am stuffed, but it's the holiday season. I always leave a little bit of room for dessert. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.